Ladies and gentlemen, your very own Michigan State Spartans. Goal scored by Fatai Alashe, Ryan Keener, and the cast. Let's hear it for your MSU Spartans, Rachel Van Poplen. Goal scored by Mary Catherine Fiebernitz. Few national team players here on the Seattle Sounders, Clint Dempsey, Eddie Johnson. And welcome to the Corner Kick Podcast. I am Brooks Lambeer, one of the soccer reporters here at MSU Impact Sports. Uh, Yale's not here today, uh, so I'm taking over this interview. And I'll be interviewing Matt Doyle, who is the news media editor at MLSsoccer.com. He's also a contributor to Howler Magazine. In our, in our interview today, we'll be talking about the MLS Combine, the MLS Draft, which is coming up soon, and uh, about Kevin Cope, a uh, redshirt senior who just graduated from Michigan State, uh, and the future of uh, the Michigan State soccer team as far as uh, them being prospects in next year's MLS draft. So MLS Combine, is that similar to the NFL Combine or NBA Combine where the players go through a lot of drills? You know, What's it kind of like when you're out there and you're watching them? Well, it, there are similarities because you end up doing all the – the, the drills and the physical testing that uh, that you you know you know from watching NFL and NBA.com. Uh, though it, it's interesting to me, MLS keeps the numbers kind of under wraps. The, the NFL, I mean, if somebody runs a four three forty, that's a major headline on ESPN.com. Uh, with, with MLS, for some reason, they don't like to let the uh, let the media know what kind of athletes these guys are. I, I think it's a little bit weird. But other than that, um, you know, it's, it's the team interviews. I don't know if there's a, an analog for the Wonderlick test, but there's certainly uh, digging into the kid's character, that type of thing, their problem-solving ability, because if you really look at soccer, it's all it is. It's a series of problems that you have to solve rapidly on the field in concert with 11 or 10 other players. Uh, stuff like that. And then there are the games. And, the games are uh, both useful and not at all useful because I think if you if you watch them for good team soccer, which is what wins at any decent level, uh, you're going to be disappointed. So what you have to do is, is take a kid and try to isolate and see if he has one specific pro-ready skill set and he could put that to, to use uh, in a situation that this may be not optimal, and you, most most good players figure out a way to do that at the combine. Some don't, and still end up going on to become uh, really good MLS players. So it, there are a lot of similarities, yeah. And then you know when owners and you know team scouts are sitting there, um, as well as you, um, you know when they're preparing to draft these kids, do they look at you know like you said, do they look at their forty time? Because you know it's kind of like you know they don't you know a lot of people you know they don't, they don't mention that. But do owners look at the forty time, or do they rather look at the physical physical ability they show at the combine and what they've done in college soccer? I, I think I think it's less about like the forty times or the the beat test or anything like that than it is about what they've done whatever the, the highest level they've played at for, for a lot of these guys it is college soccer, but what they've done at that level and then what they do in the combine. Because you get kids who, uh, a good example would be Tony Chani four years ago. He was a, a good player in college. He had a very good uh, NCAA tournament his, his final year, but then he went to the combine and he absolutely manhandled everybody physically. He was a man among boys. 
And teams paid a lot of attention to that, maybe too much attention, because Tony Chani has been a, uh, a journeyman in MLS. He hasn't, he hasn't been a regular starter for any team, uh, and he doesn't look like he's ever really going to be a difference maker. So teams do pay attention to it, maybe to their detriment at times. Um, but I, I, think, I think for the smart teams, they probably weigh uh, college performance the most. Uh, we saw it last year with Dylan Powers, who didn't have a great combine and who isn't going to win uh, many sprints against, unless he's running against you or me, uh, which he won't be in MLS. <laughs> um, he he came in and he was MLS Rookie of the Year because he's just a really really good soccer player and he's consistently proved that over his career at every level he's played at. Do they usually get the best kids in the combine, or are there are there a lot of misses at the combine that they don't bring in those right kids for it? No, they almost always get the best kids unless there's one prospect who's so outstanding and so obviously the number one or number two pick that there's nothing to be gained by him playing in the combine. Uh, And we might see that this year. The kid who I think is going to be the top pick, the kid who I think is most ready to uh, come in and play in MLS, and I I think maybe the only kid in this draft who has future U.S. national team potential, uh, Steve Birnbaum, a central defender from University of California, uh, he has not yet signed for the league. Uh, I'm hearing that we shouldn't expect to see him at the combine because he's not he's not going to help his stock by playing there. Uh, he can only really hurt his stock. So I, I think I think it would be a smart move by the kid to skip it. Uh, but that is that is a rarity. For the most part, you know, you see the first nineteen to twenty five to thirty picks. All of these are guys who have played at the most recent combine. And then talk a little about Generation Adidas. Um, I know from my understanding and from my research, it's that, uh, you know, these kids that have played with these clubs, you know, the MLS clubs, you know, they kind of have like, I guess, a tag on them. And then if they want to sign them, you know, after they're done with the college career, that means they can't be picked in the MLS draft. You know, can you kind of get an overview of Generation Adidas? Yeah, it's it's a little bit murky. Uh, So the, the program originally started as a way to get the best, let's say, 18- to 22-year-old college-age kids out of college and into the pro environment. It was started in 1998 under a different tag. Um, And the idea is that Adidas pays the salaries for these kids, Adidas and the leagues. The teams don't pay the salaries. And the idea behind that is these are salaries that don't count against the salary cap. Uh, Every MLS team has a salary cap of about $3 million, which is peanuts, in the world of soccer. So if you get a good talent, a guy who can step in and start or contribute at a high level, who doesn't affect your salary cap, that puts their value at a premium. Uh, Now, these are not kids who traditionally have been groomed by MLS academies. Uh, We're seeing more and more of that, but kids like that are signed as homegrown players, which is a different designation entirely. Homegrown players can be Generation Adidas players. Generation Adidas players can be homegrown players, but neither is necessarily 100% the other. So you will see certain Generation Adidas players, like DeAndre Yedlin, who started for uh, L.A. 
or I'm sorry, Seattle all last season and has now been called into U.S. national team camp. Generation Adidas, homegrown player, did not go through the draft. But you could also see Generation Adidas, non-homegrown player, goes into the draft, like Deshaun Brown, who played for the Colorado Rapids this year, scored 9-10 goals, and has been called in to the Jamaican national team. It is really murky, and one of the complaints that longtime MLS fan and journalists like myself have is that it's never really clear who's making these decisions, uh, how binding they are, and how these decisions are arrived at. Are you better off just coming up through an academy program? Uh, or it, Which one's better, Generation Diaz or just coming up through the academy? I mean, for the best academy players, they will be Generation Adidas players. If you have, a, you know, if you have the next Landon Donovan in the LA Galaxy Academy, they're going to give him a pro deal at age 16. It's going to be a Generation Adidas deal because that's the way it's done in the league. Uh, and boom, he's, you know, he's on the LA Galaxy probably starting. Uh, so, it really, so in that sense, it really depends on the luck of the draw in terms of where you're born. Now, if you're a star player in Tennessee, you don't have an MLS academy to play for. If you're a star player in Georgia, you don't have an MLS academy to play for, or in Michigan. If you're a star player in Columbus, Ohio, you're probably going to play for the crew. And the crew, one of the best teams in the league at developing their academy players, that one in particular this year, a kid by the name of Will Trapp, who was a homegrown player, so he didn't have to go through the draft, and he was signed to a generation of Edith contract. And as a 20-year-old, he ended up being the starting defensive midfielder for the Columbus crew. I think we're going to see more and more kids uh, throughout the country, throughout Canada too, end up taking that route. But a lot of it does depend on luck of the draw in terms of where you're born. Now, just getting to Kevin Cope, um, you know, covering Kevin and, you know, actually having played against him in my uh, middle school days, uh, he's a very good player. Uh, you know, uh, Michigan Wolves, great number of players with Josh Gatt, you know, Sean Cunningham, uh, and uh, Sunni Saad. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what's what's Kevin's draft stock look like as of you know as of now? He's a first round pick. He, he will not be uh, he will not be sitting in the green room longer than he should be. Uh, I, I think the the consensus about him is that he's a high character kid. Uh, he he has a lot of those intangibles that teams look for in central defenders in terms of uh, willingness to compete. Uh, no matter if he's outmatched physically, if he's outmatched by tactical news, that it, it happens. But he's not going to be uh, beaten mentally or emotionally, uh, and that is, I mean, that's job one for a defender because you're going against some of the best attackers in the world, and they know how to get in your head. So I think that is a big plus mark for him. Uh, he has good size. He's not huge, and he's not a wild athlete, but he's a, a good enough athlete uh, to to come in and fight for a job, start maybe 10 or 12 games as well, uh, as long as he progresses throughout the year. And that's the other thing. He's kind of known as a soccer junkie, a kid who cares about the game and wants to get better. Uh, general managers. Love that. So I would expect him to go uh, somewhere around the 10 to 15 range. I could definitely see the Seattle Sounders taking him at 13. Uh, I could see a team like Toronto, uh, maybe in the tail end of the first round, 
trying to get him. Uh, and from there, it's up to him to take those attributes that I just described and make them stand out at a level. And if you rate the defensive players one through five, where does where does Cope stand in this MLS draft one through five? Oh, I think he's. Uh, I think he would probably be number five. Burnbaum is the clear number one to me. Uh, the kid Christian Dean, I think uh, he's a generation Adidas kid who signed from Cal Berkeley. I think he'll probably go number two overall, though he is a little bit rough. He has some holes in his game defensively, but. Uh, he's just such a great prospect that teams won't pass on him. Then you have A.J. Cochran from uh, from uh, Wisconsin, another generation Adidas kid. Uh, he could go as high as number four in this draft. Uh, I, I don't expect him to see. I don't expect to see him slide any lower than number ten. Uh, and then it gets a little bit iffy. It's a matter of uh, what you rate. I personally like the kid Venter from New Mexico a little bit more than Coke because Venter has a great size and has led his team to deep NCAA tournament runs twice. Uh, I, I value that winning pedigree. Uh, and then Coke would be the number five central defender in this list. And then, like you said, you kind of listed off some names for Kevin. What team does he best fit with? Well, I, I think the crew would actually be a good team. Uh, though they they don't really have a pick in the range where he would fall uh, because they have, well, first of all, they don't have a ton of central defenders, and the ones they do have are kind of converted. They're guys who maybe take a few more risks, uh, want to go forward a little bit more, and I, I think that's a good attribute for a modern defender, but you kind of need one of those guys and another guy who's more stay-at-home, who's a little more... Uh, who's a little more risk-averse, and I think that's what Kevin Cope is. So I, I could see the crew, uh, if they scrounge up another mid-first-round draft pick, I could see them taking him. I do think Toronto FC would be a good pick for that as well because, again, they're not exactly flush with central defenders, and they're, they're starting to have a good culture there that he would fit into. Uh, San Jose Earthquakes, another one. They're, they're picking ninth, so that might be a little bit of a reach for him. But if they like him, if he plays well at the Combine and aces all their uh, personality tests, I could definitely see that being a fit as well. A couple more questions. Um, how Did you see Kevin have a long, having a long career in the MLS? Uh, that, I mean, there are too many things that go into that. Obviously, uh, injuries are, are a big part of it. Um, commitment as well, because we've seen people come in who have a reputation like Kevin has as a soccer junkie and get burnt out after three or four years. And suddenly they're not maybe training as hard and not taking it seriously as they need to, and then they're out of the league. Uh, so if, if somebody figures out a way to measure that beforehand, then they will make a lot of money as a scout, and probably above MLS, probably in the English Premiership. Uh, as far as I know, though, nobody has that rubric. Uh, but does he have the qualities that you expect to see from a guy who spends a who could spend a decade as a pro soccer player? I, I, I think he does. I, I think he's a really, really safe pick for someone who, for a team who who wants a guy is who's going to show up to training every day and give you that effort and keep the highs low and the lows high. 
And as far as this, you know, the Michigan State seniors go um, for next year's team, uh, who do you see as a possible uh, pick in the MLS draft for 2015? You know, I haven't actually done my scouting for 2015 yet. I'm sort of inundated with uh, the 2014 draft. It is too early to say, um, and there's nobody, I'll say this, there's nobody on the Michigan State team that is uh, that has the scouts a buzz. If you talk about next year's draft, uh, there's nobody there who, who's really lighting people up. So it'll it'll have to be um, it'll have to be kind of a team effort in that sense. If Michigan State uh, comes in next year and wins the Big Ten and uh, goes to the tournament and goes deep in the tournament and looks like a team of guys who know their jobs and want to do them well, that helps everybody stock. Uh, but there's not one outstanding prospect right now. Uh, does Rutgers and Maryland come into the Big Ten? Is that, is that going to help their stock? It has to. It has to. I mean, Rutgers is in a bit of a down stretch right now, uh, but they have been one of the great uh, or really good college soccer programs of the last 30 years. And Maryland, of course, is elite. And they draw eyes. And kids want to play there. And if you're playing them you know, once a year, maybe twice, and if you get to face them in the Big Ten tournament, uh, that, that, puts, that puts your name in lights a little bit. Uh, because you want to prove it against the best. So I, I think it's a, it's a huge thing for the Big Ten, and, and it should be a huge thing for uh, the teams in the Big Ten that have been sort of knocking on the door but haven't made that final step to become an elite program. Uh, uh, two more questions. Uh, this one, uh, where do you rank the Big Ten among the other soccer conferences? Uh, ACC is clearly... Number one, even I think without Maryland, I think ACC is probably still number one. Uh, I do, I do think Big Ten now has a claim on the number two spot. If you get, if you bring in two strong programs like that, and you have other programs like uh, Indiana, of course, Ohio State has had some good years. Michigan has had some good years. Uh, uh, Northwestern has been. Uh, a, a really pretty good team in the last five years. This is a, to me, this is a conference that has to be reckoned with. Now, they, they have to prove it, or somebody besides Indiana has to prove it in the NCAA tournament. Uh, that is going to be the real measure for the Big Ten to see if they can go toe to toe with the ACC. And since we talked about the defense, just last question about the offense: best offensive player in the MLS draft. Uh the, there's nobody who is wowing teams in terms of everybody's trading up to try to get this kid. But I have to give it to Patrick Mullins. He, I mean, he won the Herman Trophy last year. He might win it again this year. Uh, he got his team into the championship game this year, got them to the semifinals last year, scored a gazillion goals, and he is a little one-dimensional. He's not the type of target forward who can create plays for others, and he doesn't drift wide and make plays from there like a Fabian Espindola, but he, he scores goals. He, he just keeps producing and producing and producing, and guys with a track record like that tend to figure out a way to translate it in MLS. Well, thanks, Matt, for, um, for coming on and uh, doing the interview. And that was news media editor at MLSsoccer.com, Matt Doyle. He's a contributor, contributor to Howler Magazine. He's co-host of the March to the Match podcast. 
Twitter handle is at MLS underscore analyst. And we have the MLS Combine January 9th to the 14th. So it starts tomorrow. And we'll keep you updated here at uh, MSU Impact Sports. And that'll be all. Thank you. Have a good day.